0: life doesn't always go the way that we've planned it, does it? Has anybody figured that out yet? Yeah. When I was 15 years old, and I'm not sure why I did this, but I made a list of 12 things that I wanted to do in my lifetime. Now, who does that? Weird people like me, yeah. Own a Harley Davidson. Can anybody say amen? Done. Graduate from college? Done. Be certified as a scuba diver? Done. Get married? Done. It'll be 53 years this February the 6th. My wife, the Reverend Maureen Patrick, received the uh, Queen Elizabeth II Diamond Jubilee Medal in 2012 from the Queen with a notation with it for her work in Canada and internationally. And my kids laughed, they mocked me, Tracy. They said, forget what the Queen said. She got that for putting up with you all these years. (laughs) And I think there's an element of truth to that, but I'll just leave it. Own a horse, done. Own a team of Siberian Huskies, done. Become a champion competitive shooter, love doing that, done. Leave the reserves and join the regular army. Done. Build a personal library. Did I do that, Tracy? Done. Circle the globe. 80% done. Obtain a private pilot's license. Not done. Make a parachute jump. (coughs) Forget about it. (laughs) I don't know why that was on the list. But did you notice something that was missing from this list? an ordained minister of the Christian faith, wasn't on the list. But God, you see, had his own list. Amen. Time is a funny thing, isn't it? It can drag when life is hard or boring and it rushes by when things are going great. I've been in lectures and five minutes in, I'm nodding off. It's so boring. It's awful. It's almost life threatening but i'll sit and watch Lawrence of Arabia repeatedly and it's almost a 3 hour movie and i'm when it ends i go ah <laughs> and i'll watch it again cuz i love that particular piece i held the hand of a woman in her 70s who was dying a few years ago and she looked me right in the eyes and smilingly said no regrets Three weeks ago, I was with an 82-year-old woman as she stepped into eternity, and I can assure you that was not her story. Over the years, I've learned many things by watching how people live and how they die. I'm a people watcher. I've always been that for my entire life. But particularly in the pastor, getting to know people and getting invited into some pretty unique moments and times in their lives. I've come to this conclusion. People who live well, die well. I've seen that repeatedly, over and over again. You heard the the words of Moses read earlier. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that's just gone by. Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures, yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. There's an old gospel song, I'll Fly Away, that talks about that. So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Heavenly Father, help us to open our eyes today Regardless of our age, and see what Moses saw. Amen. My generation has been known by sociologists and the media as the baby boomer generation because when Johnny and Jackie came marching home from World War II, there was this explosion of births. And in Canada, that ran from 1946 to 1966. And during that era in high school, I remember listening to the Beatles. Do you know that their music back then in high school was considered subversive? If we, and we had transistor radios. How cool was that? About the size of a cigarette package so you could smuggle both into class. It was really neat. Just say it. <clears throat> Anyways, if we were caught on high school campus listening to the Beatles... We were put in detention. That, that's how radical their music was. And their haircuts. Holy mackerel. Can't have any of that around here. But they came out with a tune that is still popular today. And the f- refrain goes, Will you still need me? Will you still feed me? When I'm 64. <laughs> well, when you're 14, 64 is the other side of the planet, Right? And we thought that was so cool. Yeah, old people. Yeah, they. We didn't say they suck. That was not a phrase back then. We just said, ah, they're out of it. Another group said, don't trust anyone over 30. And you need to know, younger folks, that the teens and young adults of that day, we spoke the language of the music we listened to, and we adopted those values. And we thought like the people who said, don't trust anyone over 30. Now, there were many other contributing factors, of course, but the fallout from the overemphasis on youth led to what became known as the generation gap. And we stopped talking to parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles. We had no time for them. What did they know? They didn't even have a transistor radio. Today, that would be a smartphone. Now, this phenomenon was largely found in Western Europe, the United Kingdom, and North America, and nowhere else in the world. It was unique to us here in the West. And grandparents, parents, teachers, authority figures, and even pastors were viewed with suspicion. And teens began to rely on what they heard from their peers, their friends, to guide them. And this idea of having a mentor, someone older than you, who would kind of coach you along, out of the question. Because what do they know? In churches, that's when teen-only youth groups were first popularized. Big time. Oh, there there was some before that, but now it became a Western movement. And parents who couldn't talk to their kids had to try and trust children and teen pastors to do the job for them. And that didn't work very well. Fortunately for me, I served in the Army Reserves and the regular forces during my teen years and experienced the tremendous value that came from having older and more experienced people in my life. Because in the forces, I was training for a mission. I ended up being in Cyprus for two years when the Greeks and the Turks were first killing each other off, and we had to make peace and then enforce it. And my NCOs, non-commissioned officers, were largely Korean and World War II veterans. And they knew how to keep me alive. And I came home safe. We buried a few, but I came home. I came home. And I was always thankful for that. So that became a pattern throughout my entire adult life, is to look for those who knew something more than I did or who had more life experience in a certain area and watch them and ask questions and listen. Many of my peers didn't have that kind of input in their lives, my high school and college peers, and it really showed. So again, ever since my early 20s, I've sought out godly men, women and men for their advice and encouragement. And I wouldn't be who I am today without that kind of mentoring and coaching and influence in my life. And we need to recognize, folks, that we have untold millions of younger Canadians, say 40 on down to birth, both in the church and in the community, who've reaped the whirlwind of my generation insisting that drug, sex, and rock and roll was what life was all about. And that was a phrase back in the 60s and 70s. We had that on t-shirts and bumper stickers. And other foolishness like, find your own thing and do it. Because you're in charge of your life, right? Who made you the boss of me? What do you know? That was the attitude that was developed subtly at first, but then it became very, very strong. And we're experiencing the results of that today. Many people back then are not only, came not only from broken families, their friends were as well. So where did we go for guidance? I wasn't a Christian in my teen years, but I had Christian influence, but I also had other influences that kept me on track the media social networking their friends who are usually no better off than they are in terms of today's younger generations well there is another option of course us seniors included we are a valid option to what the world and the media and the social influencers are telling them. We really are. And don't take the enemy's lie that you have nothing to say. You have, you have no, nothing of value to speak into a younger person's life, folks. That's simply not true. My wife appreciates getting breakfast every morning. Hello. And thank you, Tim Hortons. <laughs> I can see it from my house, so what's, what's a guy going to do, right? So I bring it, and there's a young lad there, probably 25, 26, and I get to know the names of the people, and I, I call them by name, and I treat them with respect. Not every customer does that. And this young guy, I know his last name, but I don't know his first yet, but he really wants to talk to me. So I gave him my business card the other day and his face lit up and he said I will take you up on this offer I said good when I get back from Kitchener you give me a call he's desperate someone else there told me he hasn't seen his mother for 15 years and his father for 12 he's in his mid 20's figure read between the lines on that one so this old guy he wants to talk to of course of course I run into that all the time. And the Bible is full of examples of younger people benefiting from being in a relationship with someone older than themselves. So us older ones, let's use today as an example. Look around the room and take notice. I mean, really notice who attends Freedom on Sunday here. Are there any younger singles or couples? Any single parents How many teens? How many students? And I want to suggest to you that you should not assume that they're already well-connected here with the congregation because some are not. And you have a beautiful opportunity to welcome them and make them feel part of the Freedom family. So invite them out for lunch following the service. That often doesn't work. So say, well, then when can we do that? through the week offer to be of assistance to them in some way find out what their needs are and help them with those needs you know sometimes a young mom just needs respite from toddlers and you can hang out at her place and play games with them and well she goes to Tim Hortons and has a coffee and has a break even if it's for an hour or two the list is endless in terms of what you can do But more importantly, sit with them and really listen to their story. Actively listen. That's where you listen without shooting off your mouth. Oh, yeah, but you should hear what happened to me. No, listen to them. Because there's a ton of people out there that are desperate to tell their story. Why do you... I'm I'm on Twitter. Give me credit for that. I'm on Twitter. The other stuff I can't figure out. But Twitter, I managed to figure that out. And uh, so are you, because I send you stuff, right? Yeah, right. (laughs) Well, somebody's got it. Never mind. And I, I, some of the people that send me stuff, I hear horrible stories. And some of them have said, you know, I don't have a place to share this, and so they go public. And unfortunately, other Twitter users sometimes dump on them and abuse them and hurt them and. Twitter's not a safe place to open your heart. Nor is Facebook. Nor any of them. You're just asking to get smacked. But we are a safe place, aren't we? If we take the time to actively listen. And we may not understand everything. We may even disagree with nine things out of ten they told us that they did. Who cares? Just keep your mouth shut and listen. I had an 11-year-old boy come up to me recently, he laid his head on my shoulder and he said, "Would you be my grandpa? I don't have a grandpa." And this was my thought. This kid is ripe for grooming by a pedophile. Someone's going to be grandpa to him, and it may be the wrong guy. Or gal, there are women pedophiles too. That kid is vulnerable. He's vulnerable. But we can minister to them. To our younger friends this morning, I also want to encourage you. Perhaps you're watching us on the uh, computer somehow. I want you to make every effort to connect with someone older than yourself. And I know that can be scary. But make an effort to connect with someone older than yourself. Because if they've been influenced at all by this crazy thing called the generation gap, then they are making the assumption that you would not be interested in speaking with them. So what I want you to do, and here's a phrase from the 60s, freak them right out (laughs) and start talking to them. Like start with, hi, I'm Frank, and you are? And just let it go from there. Ask them about their life experiences and listen carefully. Do you know why some older folk, if you give them a chance, go back 20, 30, 40 years and tell you stories? Because those were formative stories in their life, formative experiences, and they have no one to talk to about that. And if you'll listen, they'll talk. And I submit you may learn something. Someone recently saw my tattoo. Tracy, I have a tattoo. If I gel my hair and wear skinny jeans, can I be hipster pastor? (laughs) Would that work? Okay. So someone saw my tattoo, Maddie, short for Madeline, and they asked me about it, and I said, yeah, that's my granddaughter. She had just turned eight when she passed away. Two-year battle with cancer. Pastor Tracy, very graciously, and her mom, Arlene, came and Did the music at the funeral in Florida for us. Real blessing. And I hear stories then of grief. One guy was weeping, shaking, talking about his infant son dying at two weeks when he walked away. Because I said, and when did that happen? He was so overcome, he couldn't tell me, so I turned to someone else. When did that happen? Pastor, it was 21 years ago and he could hardly talk about it he's never dealt with it so I got someone connected with him to try and help him with that there's a ton of people out there folks with all kinds of stories and it's a, it's a starting point to minister to them young and old Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. In other words, show me, Lord, what it means to make every day count. Now, our Savior modeled this, didn't he? He hung out with Samaritan women and Phoenician women. Oh, boy, that was a no-no for a whole list of reasons. He talked to the young. He talked to the old. He spent three days in the temple as a 12-year-old discussing theology with middle-aged and senior-aged priests. Like, who does that? But he did. He hung out with young people and children, Romans, Greeks, Jews, and we can do the same. We really can. I'll be 76 in March of this year. I know I don't look a day over 90, but I'll I'll be 76 in March... And uh, someone asked me, or said to me recently, hey, it's good to see you. I said, at my age, it's good to be seen anywhere. You know? So I have diabetes and hypertension and macular degeneration. I have to wear glasses with prisms. I recently had to go with hearing aids. I've got a bum knee and a bad sacrum and a dislocated clavicle on my right side. But other than that, I feel fine. (laughs) Like, really, what's the point of whining about it? Doesn't help. So, big deal. There's all kinds of people worse off than me, and I'm not being glib when I say that. I'm still motoring along, singing a song, and I'm thankful for every day I'm ambulatory. My mother was a nurse, and I married a nurse who became an ordained minister later. I could never play hooky, and I could never call in sick. they go... Oh, you're fine. Out the door. And so, no mercy, Pastor. No mercy at all. <clears throat> but when I saw over time, and again in my 50s, I came to this conscious decision. I wanted to learn what it meant to end my life well and to die well. I wanted that to be my legacy more than anything else. And the longer I live, the more that I see that that's God's plan for all of us. We see that in Scripture, don't we? For the entirety of our life, from cradle to the grave, folks, let's live well and let's die well. Amen? Let that be our legacy. May people learn from that. But it's so easy, isn't it, when you've reached a certain age to say to yourself, well, I've done my bit. The younger ones can take over now. But I don't see that pattern anywhere in Scripture, do you? You can't find it. it. It's not there. And I believe that the Lord has a better plan for each of us regardless of our age. Hopefully with age comes wisdom. It doesn't always because some people are just not teachable. But for many of us, with age comes wisdom. Because what older people have is a unique source of knowledge that's not found in any books. We call it experience. So Paul says to the Christian women of his day, you older women, how be you teach your younger ladies how to live? My wife had a ministry for a while to young single moms who had no moms, grandmas, aunties, anyone around. We live in a highly mobile, fractured society, don't we? And these young gals were alone, didn't know what to do. So she developed a team of like-minded women And they would teach them how to shop, how to budget, how to take care of a newborn, how to do housekeeping. If they had a car, here's some tips on how to run a car and take care of it. This was all new to them. All new to them. But it was done in Jesus' name. And the love of God in Christ was shown. You see, older folks have gone where younger ones have yet to go. When I served overseas, my commanding officer, Colonel Charles Carlson, I was in the 2nd Battalion Canadian Guards, now 3RCR. And we called him the old man affectionately, because hell, he was, I'd follow that man anywhere. He was amazing. Fast forward a few decades, I resumed a relationship with him and we would email each other weekly and visit on occasion. I had the privilege, about 10 years ago, of of, uh, conducting his military funeral. And when I was doing my research, I found out, do you know how old the old man was when we were in Cyprus? 36! (laughs) 36! But when you're 18, 19, he's the old man. But he was a Korean War vet. And when certain things happened, he didn't call UN headquarters New York. That's a stupid idea. Or worse, NDHQ in Ottawa. He said, boys, saddle up. We have a job to do. And he he led us well. He led us well. It turned out he was a Christian. I always suspected he might have been, but he was. So, older folks have gone where younger ones have yet to go. And although none of us can go back and make a brand new start experientially in time, anyone, anyone can start from today and make a brand new start. Any of us, regardless of age. How many believe that God is the God of the 2nd, 3rd, 4th, 500th, 1,000th chances? Or you wouldn't be here today, right? That's right. Count me in that group. Our culture today bombards older adults with the message that we are somehow obsolete in our fast-paced, technology-driven world. Not so. Yeah, I still have to call my grandson on occasion and say, Nathan, he goes, what did you do now? Well, I have this Apple iMac and it's acting stupid. Okay, talk me through it. Yeah, there's times I need to do things like that. But why does Nathan come to have dinner with me every Wednesday at 31? Why does he come Saturday, stay overnight, come to church with me Sunday? Why did I have the privilege of baptizing him last year, pastor? Why does he want to hang with me? I'm 76. My generation would say, oh, that's stupid. We don't do that. And my wife will sometimes comment, you and Nathan sit in a room for two or three hours, and you're reading the book, and he's doing whatever. You don't say a word. Yeah, no, he just wants to hang. And at some point, he'll talk. Specifically in the car on the way home. Oh, he's a motor mouth then. <laughs> So I I text him every day with encouraging thoughts, and he answers. Pretty good, eh, texting? I do it this way, my son says no, I go, no, no, I need to do that. You see, people of all ages have hopes and fears. The heart of mankind is the same. I don't care where you are in the world and how old you are and what ethnic group you belong to. We have hopes and fears, we want to know how to love, we want to know how to serve, we want to know how to do well in life. And all of them need the savior. Everyone, it's not the father's will that any should perish. Including that kid that I see in the parking lot at Tim Hortons, dressed ragged, all tatted up, living rough. That being interpreted means he's homeless and sleeps outside. He needs the Savior. So some of those I take him in and feed him a meal. And they say, why are you doing this? Because God loves you? huh? And we just talk from there. What's the price of a cup of coffee and a sandwich? What's the price of my, an hour of my time? Come on. They're dying for someone to listen to them. In 2023, this year, Canada, for the first time ever in our recorded history, will have more people over the age of 65 than we have children. So we have a great opportunity, church, to minister to our seniors and to encourage them and equip them to minister to younger ones. And it may surprise you to know that we have a lot to learn from them, if we take the time to actively listen to them. Don't be fooled by their heads buried on the screen doing this. There's a lot in here, and there's a lot up here that we can learn from. A few years ago, uh, I pastored Calvary Church for 27 years in Peterborough, and one of my young pastors, Paul Malott, who ultimately I mentored over 11 years and groomed specifically for three years to succeed me as the new lead pastor. Um, I, I would give them the gears, and they would give it right back. I got no respect. They wouldn't even stand up when I walked in their room. You know? It's like the old boy who retired from 35 years of a career his wife says, you're driving me nuts. Go get a job. So he got a job as a greeter at Walmart. And first day on the job, he showed up 20 minutes late. And this young, snotty nose 20-something, just ripped up one side across his head, down the other, cursing him out. And the guy went, whoa, 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 hold it. You know I called the front office and said I was on the 401 and there was an accident and the road was blocked. That's why I'm late. And the kid lit into him again. He went, no, no, stop, stop. Is this how you greet your employees first thing in the morning? And the kid said, well, how did they greet you in your last job? Guy says, well, I walked into a room. Everyone jumped to their feet. And someone called out, good morning, Admiral. What would you like in your coffee, sir? Yeah. So, anyways, I'm in a staff meeting, and I'm giving them the gears because they're ragging on me, because I had a military grade Motorola flip phone. <laughs> How many remember flip phones? Well, I had the military one. Because I hunted whitetails and wild turkeys and was in the bush a lot. I'm an outdoorsman, and that that would survive being dropped in the stream, you know. So they'd mock me, because they all had these smartphone, whatever, iPhones or whatever. So they knew I was playing a game. So I stood up and I pounded the boardroom table and I said, give me one good reason why I should have a smartphone. And Paul Malott stood up at the other end and the boardroom table was almost as long as from me to that camera. And he, and he said very quietly, Pastor, the world is passing you by. It was like he punched me right between the eyes, Pastor. I said, okay, here's the deal. I'll take you out for lunch wherever you want. I'll pay for it, because then we're going to the Rogers store, and you're gonna tell me what product I need to buy and teach me how to use it. He said, you're on. Of course, I had to take him to Roland's, which is like going to, um, great, I'm having a seniors moment. This charcoal Steakhouse. I have it on Speed Dial. I love that place. And he had a steak and all the trimmings and everything, and I paid for it, and we went to the store. So in the car, driving back to the office, I'm looking at this iPhone thing. I said, um, so, you want me to use this instead of a flip phone? He said, yeah. He said, well, you know what it is, actually. I said, no. He said, well, you have an iMac desktop. I said, yeah. He said, this iPhone is a handheld computer operating system using the Apple iOS system. I said, then why do they call it a And he said, it's not a phone. It has an app on it called a phone. But it's really a computer. I said, then why do they call it a phone? <laughs> I didn't believe what he said to me. He said, so old folkies like you would buy it? <laughs> he said, it's a marketing tool. <laughs> he was right, yet again. We can learn from the young ones. I always learn from our younger staff. They didn't always have things right, and that's when they needed some experienced voice to speak into their life. But I learned a tremendous amount working with younger staff, and uh, hopefully they learn from me. Now, I'm going to tell you a story with your pastor's permission where it's a true story, and I'm talking about a young lady, 15 years old, asking me a question. And I made the mistake without giving prior warning to two other congregations. And when I said the question, some of them laughed. Folks, please don't laugh or you're not going to get lunch. (laughs) No, seriously, this is a serious story and it's not funny. Listen to it. So it's one of these famous ask the pastor nights. So you come on Friday night to youth group, you sit on a bar stool. Churches have bar stools. So you sit on a bar stool and they ask you anything. So the youth pastor, it would be about 120, 130 kids in the room, and he had them write out questions and then he vetted the questions to try and pick about a dozen that would be of most interest to most kids. These kids were about 13 to 19 in age, and they're all seated on the floor, and they're all doing this, not looking at me, but listening intently. Don't think because they're doing that. They don't hear you. So I answered all the questions, and then one young girl put up her hand. She said, can I ask a question? I said, sure. She says, well, I've been coming here for a couple months now, and I don't know, I think I'm a Christian, I'm not sure. Is it all right to have sex on the first date, or should I wait until I get to know the guy better? This is what happened. It wasn't every head bowed and every eye closed. And I had every eye fastened on me. And in that moment, I recognized this isn't just her question not by a long shot. So I took six or seven minutes, talked about God's design for sexuality. It's both recreation and recreation, and it's a monogamous committed relationship between a man and a woman, faithful to each other. That's when it works best. She sat there puzzled, and she said, And where do you get all that stuff from? I said, the Bible. Do you have a Bible? No. I said, you will have a Bible before you leave the building tonight. A few days later, I had a mother of one of the other kids call me, and she led into me, what, were I, what was I doing talking about things like that at youth group? I said, well, it may interest you to know that my wife hired a couple of Christian early childhood educators to staff our nursery upstairs because we had two babies there from two other girls who were in the youth group. And they couldn't be downstairs being part of that conversation if they had to be upstairs or at home looking after the child. We're way long past worrying about what the questions are. She didn't like that answer at all. But I wouldn't back down. You see, folks, (coughs) children and youth ministries today is not about video games, pizza nights, and binge-watching. It's children and teens who have questions just like that. Because they live in a world that compared to where you and I live, they're on another planet. With the media, peer pressure, certain school teachers, social networking, the confusion in adolescence and teen years, who am I, what am I, where am I going? me i had uh, 16 client churches recently and two of them because of covid did something that was scary and really stupid they laid off a bunch of their staff because the treasurer thought we can't afford this talk about shooting yourself in the foot So a couple of them said to me, can you help us find a new youth pastor? I said, "Um, they're scarcer than hen's teeth. Well, they're young enough they didn't recognize that (laughs) saying. So I had to reinterpret it. They're hard to find. Okay. And they are. It's really, if you have a good youth pastor or children's pastor, you do everything you can to hang on to them because they are hard to find nowadays. And I said, so what have you done in the last two or three years? Oh, we had a bunch of people, <clears throat> middle-aged and older, who came in and acted as youth advisors and kept the thing going. I said, how's it working? It's working great. I said, why, why would you do something so stupid as to fire all those youth advisors and bring in some kid fresh out of college who hardly knows his left hand from his right? Why would you do that? Why would you destroy those relationships? That group. Scenario that I told you about a few moments ago where I was asked that question. Our youth pastor had six or seven people in their 40s, 50s, and 60s who served every Friday night and who socialized and met with those kids through the week. That was the strength of that program. Not the games, not the activities. It was relational. It was organic. And they ate right up onto that. These young people have questions. They need answers. So have you ever thought about offering your time in children and youth ministry? Whether it's on site or out in the community. You ever been part of a school breakfast program? And just been there as a salt in the light? Just loving on these kids and being a good role model for them? There's all kinds of things we can do. All kinds. The world has an answer for all of their questions. But I think we have a better answer, a better way to live. We just need to get that message out there. As I said, I pastored Calvary for 27 years, and we had a senior lady, Cora Rutherford, a retired nurse. So I was with her during her 80s and 90s and then did her funeral. Cora was very frail and most often stayed in her apartment. But what she did, she asked me every month for a list of names, children, teens, adults, singles, whoever, that she could pray for. And every month, either me or my wife or somebody would give her a new list of names. When she died, here's what I heard from younger people. Who's going to pray for me now? Important question. Who's going to pray for me now? Regardless of our age, friends, or physical condition, we can love God and love others and show that love through prayer, acts of kindness, acting justly, and listening, actively listening to others in the church and in our community. Can you imagine a church where we actually listened to each other? Heavenly Father, you are the God of our weary years and our silent tears. It's you who has brought us this far. Keep us on this path, we pray, lest our hearts, drunk with our infatuation with this world, cause us to forget you. And we ask for these mercies in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord.